The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me. I am very happy to have you with me tonight or this afternoon if you're on the West Coast. So let me understand what's going on here. What's happening is that you have a plan for continuing to breastfeed after you return to work. Maybe even you're thinking that you want to exclusively breastfeed and You've made arrangements to express your milk while you're away from your baby, and you've lined up child care provider who says that she's breastfeeding friendly. So you feel pretty confident that all is well and things will be just hunky-dory. But as you know, life has a way of throwing a wrench into even the best laid plans. And those unforeseen issues kind of have a way of cropping up. So today, what I'm hoping I can do is to help you to gain some practical tips that will help you to overcome those problems, such as when the baby won't take your bottled milk, or the care prefer the baby prefers one caregiver to another, or the caregiver offers some formula inappropriately, or a caregiver overfeeds your baby, or the one that is the real clunker, a traffic jam that leaves your breasts full and your baby uh, seemingly a million miles away hungry. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Now, if you want a few more basics on the idea of picking out a caregiver, some options for that, how to find out if they're really all they say they're cracked up to be, all of that, I covered that in last week's show. And as you know, you can subscribe to Born to be Breastfed, Whether you have an iPhone or an Android phone or whatever, you go to the appropriate place. For instance, with the iPhone, it would be uh, the the App Store, iTunes, excuse me, iTunes is what I meant. Uh, So there's ways that you can get that first show, and I would suggest you do that if, in fact, you haven't really heard all that I have to say about getting on board with the care provider. But let's say you've got the care provider and you think everything is going to be okay and then maybe kind of not so much so. Because as my father used to remind me, the best laid plans of mice and men some go sometimes go astray. And I guess that is the case with women and not just men. So there are a number of stumbling blocks and it seems to me like the big one that always is bothersome is that the baby refuses. And there are 
sort of some different twists on what constitutes refusal. But basically, babies who refuse to take their mother's milk from a bottle may be facing any number of factors which, in their sole opinion, are unacceptable. So the key here is for you to reduce or minimize or change those factors as much as you possibly can. So let's start with the baby who won't take the milk or won't take the nipple. Now, those are a little bit separate, but they certainly go together. All right, well, let's start with the fact that the baby is correct about what he's refusing here. He knows that an artificial nipple isn't like mama. The artificial nipple is cool, it's somewhat rigid, and it requires an entirely different mechanism in order for him to get the milk. What I think I'd say about this is probably the best strategy is prevention. Now, if the baby hasn't been exposed to an artificial nipple before three months old, the mother or really any caregiver may find it difficult or impossible to get the baby to accept the artificial nipple come three months or so. Why is that? Well, because newborns and young infants, that is, those that are under a few months old, suck reflexively. Watch the baby sometime, and you will see how sometimes his mouth is going, and sometimes he's doing what I call sucking in the air, or certainly if you have any stimulus towards him, he will suck. But after about three months or so, the baby sucks in a more conscious way, and that reflex is pretty much gone. Now, certainly there's no magic about the day that the baby turns three months old, but you get what I'm saying. Right around that time, is when that reflex is gone and then that baby has that conscious sucking. And so, generally, if a mother tells me that she needs to leave the baby with another caregiver, I suggest that she introduce the nipple around one month of age if she's planning to go back to work when the baby is, you know, a month or six weeks or two months or whatever. All right. And so that's what I would suggest for you based on that reflex that the baby does or does not have. I would discourage using an artificial nipple before one month. Why so? Well, because you're asking the baby to learn two skills. Can babies do this? Absolutely. Do I believe in nipple confusion? Uh, Science has never proven so-called nipple confusion, but I do truly believe that there are kids who cannot do both skills. This is what I call being a switch hitter. Now, if you're a baseball fan, you know what I'm talking about. There are certainly players who can bat right-handed or they can bat left-handed, and that's called switch hitting. This is what the baby does when you're asking him to use an artificial nipple or to suck on your own nipple. Can some kids do it? Absolutely. Can other kids have trouble with it? Mm, yeah, sorry. Some, some really do. 
And that's because there is a different mechanism that is used when you are suckling a breast, which, by the way, the term suckling applies to breastfeeding, than sucking, and that term is S-U-C-K, sucking, uh, the, the artificial nipple. Why so? Because whereas suckling a breast uses the back part of the tongue in sort of a wave-like motion, sucking from an artificial nipple requires the baby to move his tongue up and down like a piston, up and down, up and down. So it's a skill that some babies develop quickly and easily, others not so much so. So let's say that you do wait a month. And by the way, I'm not going here today, but your other question is, shouldn't I be pumping my milk before that? My answer would be probably not. I can think of very few cases where I would suggest that, but that is beyond the scope of what we're going to talk about today. So let's say that you sense that perhaps the nipple is the problem here. And that's why the baby is refusing. If so, there are a number of things you could do. One might be try a different nipple. Nipples come in all sizes, all shapes. And, you know, some kids will take one but not the other. And since most of us adults can't figure out why they like one but not the other, I would suggest buy several different nipples And just allow your little one to kind of figure out for himself what he likes. I have found that sometimes some babies, once they find one they like, they really don't want the other ones. And I can't explain that except to tell you I know that it's true. All right, so here's another thing you can do. Try warming the nipple under some warm water. Why so? Well, because the baby is used to your nipple. And your nipple is at body temperature. And sometimes just getting the artificial nipple that's closer to body temperature makes it much more appealing for him. So the other piece there is that if you've ever felt of an artificial nipple, you know that it's not very easy to compress. It's much more, I guess rigid would be the right word. But when you warm it, you'll find that it's a little softer, a little more malleable, a little more easy to compress. And for some babies, that's just enough to do the trick. All right, well, let's say that neither of those things is working for your baby. Then I would say, eh, skip the nipple completely. Use a cup or a spoon. That's often a very great way to just get past this whole nipple problem. Now, usually as soon as I say a cup or a spoon, certainly as soon as I say a cup, somebody says, oh, you mean like a sippy cup? Uh, I don't know. I suppose you could use the sippy cup, but I've never tried that. Usually what I do, and I'm going to tell you this, is uh, what I've got in mind is just a cup. You certainly could do a regular cup, like a coffee cup or a coffee mug, but I think those are just kind of difficult for the adult to manage. They're they're big, they're clunky. You're managing the baby in this big thing in your other hand. I, I don't know. I, that's not that's not for me. But a small cup or a glass works very well. And what do I mean by that? Well, a small cup could be, for instance, a medicine cup in the hospital. That's what I started using. Oh, dear, more years ago than I want to admit to, but probably the late 70s, early 80s. 
Uh, the other thing is you could use like a shot glass. That would be fine. Or you could use something like one of those little paper Dixie cups. I would say that the ones that are a little more flexible are generally a little easier. But I've certainly seen people do it with a uh, shot glass, and it works just fine. Now, there's a good YouTube where the parents themselves are doing this, and I've looked at several YouTubes on cup feeding. There was one that I thought was especially good because the parents had mastered it, and they didn't make it any more difficult than what it really is. So trust me on this. I've fed a baby, a little baby, a newborn by cup many, many times, probably dozens or hundreds of times. And It's just a skill. You know, it's like anything else. It's a skill that you learn or your caregiver can learn. But you should know how to perform the skill correctly. It's not that difficult once you get the hang of it. But one of the reasons why this method works is that the baby, the baby himself can self-regulate the pace at which he gets the milk. Now, And by the way, there have been many research articles written on cup feeding. I've probably lost track of how many, but, uh, oh, I don't know, upwards of 15 probably. Uh, So one of the reasons that people don't get the hang of this is that they don't allow the baby to lead. The key here is to allow the baby to lead. Watch his cues. Do not offer more until you hear the baby swallow. And that, my friends, is absolutely the ticket. Now, when we come back, I'm going to talk to you about what happens when the baby will take the bottle or the nipple from another caregiver, but won't take it from one particular caregiver. I'd also like to encourage you to visit New Angel, our sponsor, which is N-U-A-N-G-E-L, newangel.com. Woman-owned, woman-operated, real mother just like you. I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to be Breastfed. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. New Angel manufactures environmentally friendly and hypoallergenic cotton products for breastfeeding mothers and their new angels. 
Feel the difference. Soft, absorbent, and breathable. Patented, patent-pending, and award-winning products designed by a certified lactation consultant. Look for New Angel biodegradable, disposable, and cotton washable nursing pads, natural cotton products, and other unique items. Made by mothers for mothers in the USA. By N-U-A-N-G-E-L for your new angel at www.newangel.com and www.amazon.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Marie Biancuso, and today we're talking about once you've got yourself a good daycare provider, and that person is supportive of breastfeeding and all seems well, eh, what else could crop up that makes this arrangement not go so well? Well, we talked a little bit about when the baby refuses the milk or the nipple, but by that, I was really talking about he just refuses it just flat out, like from the get-go. But then there's sort of another spin on this. There are the babies who will take the bottle from one caregiver, but they'll have nothing to do with taking it from another caregiver. So let's kind of unravel this. Apart from the issues with the nipple, there are a number of other reasons why the baby might not take the milk from one particular caregiver. And it's not always easy to figure out what's going on with the situation. The first thing that I might wonder is, Was the milk warmed to a temperature of his liking? The caregiver might not have read his cues for his readiness to feed. That would be a big one. Parents generally get so that they're used to their baby. They kind of know when those early cues happen. And another caregiver might not be as in tune to that. And certainly by now, you know from my past shows that I talk a lot about getting the baby to eat when he's in those early hunger phases. So, try to give everybody a break here. The The caregiver doesn't really know what to expect from the baby. And this all gets compounded when the baby maybe hasn't even been introduced to the caregiver before the food was offered. Maybe he hasn't even been held by the caregiver. Maybe he hasn't met the caregiver. And, you know, babies really don't like to take food from strangers or near strangers. All righty? Try to think about this. Would you want somebody doing stuff for you if you didn't know that person? I wouldn't want somebody dressing me if they didn't know me. When I hire a new employee, I don't really want her handling the money if I don't know her. You get where I'm going here. The baby is the same way. He wants a little familiarity. Now, here's another one that I think is huge. Does the caregiver rush the feeding? Breastfed babies are used to having a feeding that goes kind of at their own pace. So if the caregiver is going too fast, 
Maybe the parent doesn't do that, but the other caregiver does. So I would look at that as well. So temperature of the milk, familiarity with the caregiver, and rushing the feeding or the possibility of rushing the feeding. Let me talk a little bit more about this familiarity thing. There are some babies that have a look on their face like, you're who? You want me to do what? So sometimes those babies seem a little less confused if you just help them to make some adjustments here. For example, you might hold them in a position other than how their mothers would hold them to nurse. Now, most mothers nurse in what I would call the Madonna position, and you know what I mean. You've got the baby sort of with his head in the crook of your elbow, and he's in a semi-lying-down position. All right, well, remember, if I'm a nurse and I'm feeding a baby, he's he's not my baby, all righty? But sometimes... I've been successful when I will sit them up a little bit more. I kind of, I'm sort of demonstrating this right now, but I realize you can't see me. Uh, But I kind of sit them on my knee and I support them, I guess, with my non-dominant hand. I guess that's what I do because I'd be feeding them with my dominant hand. Uh, But prevention is also another thing that helps with this situation. So if you reasonably can, and I know that sometimes this is just not possible, but if you reasonably can, try to set up a time where your baby can meet the caregiver before you go back to work. And maybe you can be a little bit present or you can be waiting in the wings or maybe you can be outside or in a different room or something so that you're not too far away. This is a whole lot better than when you get that panicked call at work from the caregiver who says on the first day, the baby won't take the bottle. I don't know what to do. Alrighty, so familiarity is important. This prevention piece may be just the ticket to help the baby to be familiar with the caregiver. And by the way, that's true even if the caregiver is a family member. All righty? The grandma might be his grandmother, but if he doesn't have a lot of familiarity with her, if he doesn't see her on a regular basis, that may seem a little bit too unfamiliar for him to accept the bottle. So anyway, try that. Uh, ask the caregiver to offer the baby some of your milk and just see what happens. The whole experience might go just fine, but if it doesn't, at least you won't be in a panic when it's time uh, to go back to work and you're basically unable to leave your work. But there are a lot of other factors that might not be so obvious. I'm thinking, for instance, uh, sometimes the caregiver is maybe uh, wearing a scratchy shirt. Maybe she is wearing some perfume. Now, babies are very alert to all kinds of sensory stimuli. And, and, and by the way, they've got a better nose than you and I do. So if they find such stimuli objectionable, they may just refuse to eat. So think of a way to switch the stimuli. For example, maybe you could try wrapping the caregiver in one of the mother's unwashed shirts so it smells more like the mother. Sometimes that can really help the baby to get a sense of warmth, a sense of trust, familiarity, and he might be more 
willing to accept the bottle. Now, here's one you might not have thought about, but I want to really emphasize, never underestimate the importance of a caregiver's anxiety. All right? I certainly know that sometimes when I worked as a staff nurse in a nursery at the hospital, I might have been facing an assignment of 10 newborns and, oh, yikes, I'd feel tired and anxious just worrying about how I was going to get through the shift and what was I going to do about going to the bathroom and how was I going to get my lunch and when was I going to get my lunch and I was hungry already. You know, those things would make me anxious. And honestly, those were the times when the babies were the most uncooperative. Why so? I think because babies can really sense the adult's anxiety. So I've said it and I'll say it again. Never underestimate how the caregiver's anxiety might influence the baby's reactions, even the ones that are nice. All right. I'd like to think of myself as nice. But if I've got a lot of stuff to do, and especially in one of those child care centers where the caregiver may indeed have a lot to do and have a lot of children to look after, anxiety can be a part of the, part of the puzzle. All right, here's another one. Little different twist. How about the six-month-old baby refuses the soft or the solid or the semi-solid food that you've brought along? Well, you know, according to the textbooks, the baby should be ready to eat that soft or semi-solid or solid food by the time he's six months old. And this works beautifully for babies that have read the textbook and they've looked at the calendar, but honestly, a lot of them haven't. And then what happens is they will turn away in protest. So usually the adult assumes that the baby doesn't like the food being offered, and thats it's certainly a possibility. But sometimes the baby isn't quite ready. Remember that the American Academy of Pediatrics says to offer these foods. It doesn't say to force feed the baby. So you might find that it works better a week or two later or the baby will be more interested later. And there might be a number of other issues here too, but often readiness is the problem. So what I would say about that is don't worry about it for today. Don't worry about it for this feeding. There is no law that says that the baby has to take a a soft food at every feeding. Maybe you'll have better luck with him when you get him home at night, and that's fine. Remember, the directive is to offer, okay? And by the way, on the other side of the break, we're also going to talk about some other issues like, for instance, overfeeding. (coughs) This would be a good place for me to remind you that semi-solid or solid food or soft food or whatever you want to call it should be offered after, after the baby has taken the mother's milk, okay? So if the caregiver is giving your baby the solid food first, and then giving your milk, that's backwards, all right? The first year, you give the milk first, and this is why it's called a complementary food, because it is complementing, it is not replacing, and it's not overshadowing your milk as the sole source of nutrition. So basically, I wouldn't sweat it for a whole lot, okay? So, We're going to end up talking about some of this more on the other side of the break, too. But I want to talk a little bit about babies who are still hungry after they've been fed. 
So again, we're in this sort of gray area. Sometimes what happens, uh, we don't necessarily know, but for some reason the baby still seems hungry after he's gotten the amount that, you know, usually satisfies him. And then what happens is the caregiver, maybe the parent, maybe you, feel confused and bewildered. So usually if people feel confused and bewildered, I feel inclined to try to give them a little reassurance and a few tips. So when we come back, I will be talking to you about that reassurance, explanation, a few tips to go along with it. So don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Nuru Pocket is a newborn carrier specifically designed for skin to skin contact, affording mom full coverage and hands free mobility while giving and receiving all the physiological benefits of kangaroo care. Our unique fabric is super soft, breathable, moisture wicking, and it offers just the right amount of compression fit to ensure proper position and continued support. Hospitals and NICUs are implementing the new Roo Pocket for inpatient use to increase time spent skin to skin, as well as help improve breastfeeding scores and infant safety. Learn more at NuruBaby.com. That's N-U-R-O-O-Baby.com. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that, too, through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. It's Marie Biancuso, your host. 
And before we went to the break, I was talking about the baby who's still hungry after a feeding. And, you know, certainly it's possible that the baby had a long feeding since the last, uh, a long interval since the last feeding, or maybe he just didn't have very much at the last feeding. Those are kind of obvious things. But the reason that is often overlooked is that the baby is having a growth spurt. Uh, Now, I recognize that there is very little evidence to support this idea of a, quote, growth spurt, or should I say the phrase, the growth spurt. But it's a term that most people understand, and certainly we have evidence that babies grow, all right? And so if you'd rather call it an appetite spurt, that's fine. I don't really care what you call it so much as that you know how to recognize it, and there are a couple of things that I would say characterize this appetite spurt, growth spurt, whatever you like. The first is when it occurs. In general, now, there's no hard and fast rule here, but in general, I would be alert for it uh, at 10 days, two to three weeks, three weeks, four to six weeks, right around the time that you're going back to work, by the way, three months, four months, Six months, but this is kind of good because that's where you're going to offer your complementary foods, and nine months. So just like babies may seem extra hungry when they have these growth spurts, they may also seem extra hungry when they're having a developmental skill that they're mastering, something like, for instance, uh, oh, I don't know, crawling or walking or something. So, of course, there are a number of other reasons why the baby might want more food. And uh, I guess I would just say, haven't you ever seen yourself? uh, You're eating not because you're necessarily hungry, but maybe you're eating because you're bored or you're lonely. Well, that can happen to babies, too. And what does this look like, by the way? It looks like what I call a 24-hour endless smorgasbord, all right? They just kind of go nutty with more food, more food, more food, more food. So again, planning ahead is a big piece here. I like to suggest that mothers have, and I'm suggesting this for you, put some milk into, wait till you hear this, ice cube trays in your freezer. So put the milk in the the trays and then freeze them until they're frozen solid. With their frozen solid, you can take them out and put them in just a Ziploc bag. And what happens is that now each one of those little cubes is about an ounce. And so this is the way that the baby can have a second helping. And it it's a good way that you don't have to open a whole full bottle. If you've got some frozen, you can just have this little extra helping that you can thaw and give to your baby. So that's pretty much what I would suggest there. By the way, if you're going to freeze the ice cube tray, you might want to put the whole shebang into a big Ziploc bag when you start, just because sometimes they can pick up the uh, like the smells from other things in your freezer. I like the two-gallon size, but you can use whatever you like, and then you know just take them out once they're frozen, put them in a smaller one so that you can save some freezer space. Now, here's one of the best-kept secrets about daycare and breastfeeding, and that is overfeeding. It's a huge problem. Why so? Well, because those of us who feed babies, and I'm including myself here, we tend to have what I call the clean plate syndrome. 
We want the baby to finish his meal. And therefore, we sit there with a nipple and we're kind of stimulating the baby's lips and we coax him to take a little more and he does. And we say, oh, wow, we're doing a good job. Then the baby burps. Do we put him down? Nope. 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 We're still bound to determine we're going to have the baby finish that meal. So we give him a little more food and he starts to nod off. Do we let him go to sleep? No, 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 no. We wiggle and jiggle him and he sits up and we we coax him to take a little bit more. Now, this is not what the breastfed baby would do if he was at mother's breast, right? So you can see that we folk who are feeding your kid are not feeding your kid the way that you would feed your kid if you had him at breast. Now, let me give you a, a scenario. And this is real, by the way. I'm not making this up. I'm pretty creative, but I've found usually that truth is stranger than fiction. All right, three-month-old baby is at a child care center from 8 a.m. until 5.15 each day. Now, that's about nine and a quarter hours per day. And the mother sends with the baby five three-ounce bottles of milk each morning. She estimates that the, the baby who's three months old is going to take about three ounces at each feeding, and she's figuring he's going to have about five feedings while he's at the center and she's at work. I agree. I think that's a reasonable estimate. And so then she finds out that the baby was given three ounces of milk at 3 p.m. and another three ounces at 5 p.m. And, oh, by the way, he had somewhere along the line, I can't remember now, uh, a time when he took six ounces and had a bunch of time in between. All right, so this is a problem. And by the way, I would suggest to you that you entertain a whole lot of possibilities before you go and jump at the caregiver. All right, the first question I would ask is, why did the baby take so much milk? He took six ounces at eight o'clock in the morning. Why did he do that? Well, I'm guessing that the mother didn't nurse the baby when they awoke in the morning. And that's one of the things that I would suggest that you do. Nurse your baby the first minute that you open your eyes. Alrighty? Babies might be a little bit sleepy then, but that's okay. If you kind of like just offer them the breast, they're kind of like, yeah, 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 I guess I could. Okay, sure, I can eat, sure. All right, that's really a big piece because you have a lot of milk in that first feeding. So it's important to feed the baby first thing in the morning, even if he's sleepy, because you've got that high volume. And then what you're going to find is that it's useful to offer him another feeding before you go out the door. I will agree, he might not take much if any, because that first feeding is usually a substantial meal. But I can tell you that if you had done that, then when you dropped him off at 8 a.m., he would not be eating six ounces of that bottle. So that's the first question I would ask. The next thing is, I would look at that scenario where the baby was presumably sleeping from 8 o'clock until noon. Um. You know, it's it's unlikely that a three-month-old needs 12 ounces of milk within that four-hour block, which is what the, the had happened. So I'm wondering if the daycare center has scheduled feedings 
or if they prefer to overfeed the babies so that they will sleep for these long sessions, because let me tell you, when a baby is sleeping, you don't have to do much care, or sleep with the next schedule feeding. All right, here's the next thing. Presuming that the mother usually shows up at 5.15 and she's pretty regular, why did the baby get three ounces of milk at 5 p.m.? That just makes no sense to me. It may have been appropriate to give the baby a few sips or to hold her over until the mother arrived and the couplet nursed together, but it seems odd to me that anybody would be giving three ounces of milk at five o'clock when the mother's going to show up at 5.15. So are the caregivers aware of when you're going to show up? Do you have a fairly regular routine? Do they know what it is? Are they clear about it? Have you been clear describing it? And what about a pacifier? Is that something that maybe you would have allowed? Maybe they would have done it, but they're not sure if that's okay with you. What's going on with the baby? Is he guzzling the milk? Have you provided a slow-flow nipple for the baby? Might be a good idea here. Is this just a one-shot deal, or does it happen all the time? Now, how old is the baby? Baby's three months old. Is he having a growth spurt? So all I'm saying is here, there's a lot of things that are going on. Try not to get off the deep end before you look at all of the possibilities. But if this were my child in that situation, I would ask myself several questions before I confronted the child care center. I'd be asking myself if I could have prevented this, and then I would be asking myself with, with nursing and such, but then I'd also ask myself about my communication, and then I would be asking myself, who do I want to handle this with? Do I want to handle it with the people that are taking care of my kid? Or do I want to go directly to uh, the director? Any of those are things. And, and by the way, I'm a big proponent of the idea that you're paying for this service, so you should get the kind of service that suits you. All right? If it was the hairdresser and she did something to your hair that you didn't like, you would be telling her this is the same kind of a thing. All right, so let's take the mother is running late scenario. Uh, brother, this is one that, uh, oh, you're stuck in traffic. It's construction or traffic jam, and you can see that pretty much the highway looks like a parking lot, and your breasts are feeling full, and your baby, who is miles away, is going to be hungry, and you suddenly realize that unless the car can sprout wings, all right, I live in a metro area where I'm thinking to myself, short of sprouting wings, there's nothing I can do to make this car go any faster or further ahead. So the first thing you need to always make sure is have your child care provider's number in your contact list. Use your hands-free device, call the provider, and have that conversation where you both agree on what the next strategy should be. So, what's your best estimate of when you will arrive at the caregiver's location? Are you thinking 10 minutes or half an hour or an hour or, heaven forbid, more than an hour? When's the last time the baby ate? How, does he appear hungry now? You know, sometimes it's been a long time, but he's still zonked out. Okay, that's that's fine. Does the care provider have enough of your milk to give him until you get there? If not, do you have a backup plan? 
And I think I forgot to talk about backup plans today. But basically, you always need to make sure that you have some extra milk in your freezer or you need to have a way to get frozen milk to the daycare provider if you haven't already done that. Here's another thing. Is it okay to give your baby a pacifier? Yes, no, maybe. Now, I'd be the first to say that giving a pacifier should not be a substitute for feeding. But if you're anticipating a short delay and your baby is the type who will wait patiently for his food, then, hey, you know, maybe the pacifier is the way to go. The important thing here is that you make him feel better until you arrive. And by the way, this may be okay for the baby, but if you're in a situation where uh, the baby gets your your milk that came out of the freezer, but you are still coming apart at the seams, you might want to wonder if it's time for you to do some hand expression of your milk. And that really is another show. All right. So on the other side of the break, I'm going to come back and hopefully I'm going to tell you about how to have that backup plan. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash gooddonor. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. 
You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you for joining me. All right. Now I want to give you the big, 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 big clunker. You've got all this planning. You've done all the things right. So what do you do when the caregiver throws out your milk? Oops. Yeah, if you're thinking that your milk is white gold, you're right. So try to imagine how you'd feel if this happens. But it it does, all right? Uh, I have seen milk that has been accidentally thrown out or otherwise unavailable. Uh, occasionally, I hear a stay-at-home father tell me that he grabbed the milk in the refrigerator, didn't realize that it was for the baby, and he put it on the preschooler's uh Cereal, all right? Well, so that kind of leaves the baby without the milk. So I know this seems impossible, but it can and does happen. So be prepared. And as I said just before we went to the break, what do you do if the baby is uh, needing some extra milk? You need this backup plan. So I'm going to talk to you a little bit about having a backup plan. If your baby is being cared for at home and there's milk in the freezer, hey, you're set. But if your baby is being cared for somewhere other than your home, what's the backup plan? You need to have one. Here are some suggestions. You can do whatever you want to, but here are some ideas. If you work near the place where the baby is being cared for, and if you could reasonably hop in the car and run over to that location, hey, you're set. You can just nurse the baby. Now, most people don't have that luxury, but if you do, be sure to tell the caregiver to call you when they run out of milk and tell them you'll be there in a few minutes. Keep some milk in the freezer. This is suggestion number two. Keep some milk in the freezer at a location where someone will always be at home and able to drive it to the place where your baby is. You know, I'm thinking your mother or your sister or somebody that's a homebody that could retrieve some milk from the freezer and bring it to the caregiver and ultimately your baby. All righty. Now, maybe you can think of someone else who could do this, but nonetheless, it's a great backup plan if that option is open to you. Suggestion number three, consider giving the key to your house to a neighbor who is trustworthy, usually at home, and able to drive the milk to the location. I realize that there are people that you wouldn't let in your house on a bet, but you know what? If your baby was hungry, that might look like a really good thing to you. And finally, wait till you hear what I'm going to say for this option. Have some formula on hand. This might not seem like an optimal solution, but honestly, you can't let the baby starve. So I advise you to think of this as a possible solution, even if the idea is kind of a turnoff. But if you think you need to implement it, then just think about the specific circumstances where it should be used so that your caregiver is not just giving the baby formula just willy-nilly. All right? Make sure you got clear communication. All right. Here's the other one. That's sort of the backup plan part, but then there is the prevention part, which is make sure that the caregiver knows about discarding your milk or, more to the point, not discarding your milk. Uh, People who discard milk, and by the way, I'm sorry to say, but that includes professionals, 
usually just don't understand what is safe and what isn't safe, and that's why they dump the milk. So from time to time, people ask me a bunch of questions about the appearance of the milk and if it's safe to give to the baby. You know, really, I'm very hard-pressed to think of any visual cues that would make me question the safety of the milk. Uh, Human milk does look kind of thin, although I think the better word to use would be translucent, and that's okay. Human milk often separates into the fat and the non-fat components, and that's okay. Um, It will will look separated, but remember, if you just bring the milk uh, to the room temperature and gently swirl it, it'll be fine. Remember that unlike cow's milk in the carton, Mother's expressed milk is not homogenized, so therefore, it just doesn't look the same. Now, what about the color of the milk? Oh, brother. You know, people ask me about colored milk, and in most cases, it's just something that you ate or maybe something you drank. So if your milk is green or pink or orange or any other color, try to think about what you have consumed and explain that to your caregiver when she, because she's going to call you, right? You've taught her not to just throw it out. But maybe you had some green Gatorade or you had uh, beets or sweet potatoes and any of that could make your milk look, well, it depends on what you ate, but like the sports drink could make your milk green or uh, the beets could make it red. Or there was the woman who said, Marie, you don't understand. My husband is a sweet potato farmer. Okay, well then pretty much her milk is always going to look yellow-orange. What about the odor? A milk that has a funny odor may or may not be safe to give to the baby. In my experience, many times, uh, it's it's really just fine. It smells funny, but it could be something you ate, like something like garlic. But sometimes it is something else, which is uh, along the lines of lipase in your milk. Now, not a lot of women have that issue, and we can talk about that a different day. But that also gives it kind of a, a funny smell. But the basic bottom line is don't let somebody throw away your milk until you, basically it's your decision, not theirs, all right? So I'm going to try to pull together what we talked about here today. First of all, it's really, really hard when your baby refuses to take the milk, so try to get ahead of that. Try to leave the baby with the caregiver for a few hours when you're still at home so that you can quickly rush to get the baby if he refuses the milk that somebody else is offering. That's a whole lot better than having it happen after you go back to work. Beware of problems like overfeeding and address those problems head-on if they occur. Remember, you're paying for a service. That means that people need to know if they're not treating your child the way that you would expect that they would be. Be really clear that discarding your milk is not acceptable unless you are fully informed of the circumstances and if you give your consent. This is truly your white gold. I would also say, though, at the same time, be ready to forgive anybody who accidentally spills it or perhaps uses it for the preschooler or whatever. Most of all, the big thing that I have for you today is predict and plan ahead for those issues and problems that might happen with your milk or your baby's feeding experience that will be different from the at-home situation. 
You know, really, the away situation is fraught with many issues. Traffic jams, late pickups, overfeeding, or the baby's refusal, any of those things are just the tip of the iceberg. But I hope that maybe today I've helped you to get a grip on what those things might be and to either prevent them from happening or know how to recover when, in fact, they do. I don't know where all the time goes, but really, that's all the time that we have today. I'd like to thank you for listening I would like to invite you to come back next week when we're going to talk about some hospital practices and how they affect breastfeeding. If you're a parent, I'd like you to visit borntobebreastfed.com. Please make sure that you like us while you're there. And if you're a professional and you're interested in continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. I will be in several cities, uh, actually starting in November and pretty much pretty much the rest of the school year. And if you are a professional, you want to be at breastfeedingoutlook.com for a parent born to be breastfed.com. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time. 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 